Welcome to the Life and Rhythm Podcast, where we hope to equip rhythm communities to be formed by God, with one another, for the good of others, in the valley as it is in heaven. Ready to roll. Ready to go. Welcome to the Life and Rhythm Podcast. Welcome. How you doing today, buddy? Bro, I'm doing really well. Been a long day. You sound like you woke up at really 3 a.m.? <laughs> it was early. Uh, yeah, so had some coffee and we're ready to roll. I'm ready to talk about the gospel today. When you don't name the time that you woke up, I get worried. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's early. But we are. Well, well caffeinated and ready to do this. How are you? I am doing really well. I actually got a great walk in this yeah. afternoon and an incredible, incredible class. So for those of you who don't know, I'm doing a four-year program with the Missional Training Center. Mm here in Phoenix. And so a lot of what I'm going to say today, I just want to give credit to my professor. Michael Goheen is his name. He wrote a book called The Drama of Scripture. And it's legit four years on creating clarity around what is the gospel? What's the biblical story that the gospel is couched in? How does that biblical story point to us as a missionary people? And then how as a missionary family can we have an encounter with culture? Mm. And so that's what the four years is about. And today we're going to center around what is the gospel? Yeah. So I'm curious, when you heard the gospel, Adam Everett, for the first time, hmm. how is it described? Can you remember how it was described? And why did you say, yeah, that sounds right. I'm going to devote my life to that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. If, I think we've talked about this before on the podcast. If we haven't, you know, what comes to my mind is the salvific, what I would say is the salvific gospel or the or salvation set gospel where we start talking about, you know, Jesus died on the cross, forgive you for, of your sins so that you can go to heaven. Yeah. And so it's pretty much just that. That is the good news. That's, that's One day. That's it. Because I prayed this prayer mm-hmm. or raised my hand or came right, forward, yeah, yeah. I get to escape this world yep. and go into another yeah. world someday. And in our tradition, uh, growing up, it was it was very much centered on baptism. So what I did right. earned me a ticket to, you know, kind of like the... <laughs> Willy Wonka, golden <laughs> ticket. So I get the golden ticket. I get to go. Yeah. So, I mean, there. yeah. What about you? For me, it was a junior high camp. I remember hearing it for the first time and rejecting it, feeling like it was true, but then looking at Christians around me that were in the room with me and thinking, I don't want to be like mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Man, I don't want to live the way that they live. And so I rejected it. And then six months later, um, same camp, as a junior high preacher, his name was Rex. Red Rex. hair. He had puppets. It's real. Oh. <laughs> wow. I remember thinking the puppets were weird. Weird touch. But I also remember thinking uh, the way in which he described God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit sounded true. Mm. Like that was a, a true story and that my life didn't have to be like the Christians around me. I could actually surrender my whole life um, and not live a hypocritical life, but legitimately have an authentic relationship with Jesus. And so he presented that. I came forward. Um, and I, I remember him mentioning heaven, but I also remember him mentioning like my life now. Yeah. yeah. And so, dude, what I would love to do, and, and I don't know how, how many of you that are listening to this have ever gone to scripture just to see how Jesus describes the gospel. It's good. In his words, what is the good news? Yeah written by Jesus. And I I usually go to Mark chapter one. There's a few places he mentions the good news or the announcement of the gospel. 
But can I just read this? Yeah, Mark absolutely. chapter one. So um, Jesus is about to be baptized and uh, the Holy Spirit descends on him and he hears God's voice saying, you're my dearly son, love son, and, and you bring me great joy, which is a beautiful statement by the father to the son. And then the spirit compels Jesus to go into the wilderness and it says, John was arrested and Jesus preached the good news. So he went into Galilee, he preached the gospel, the good news. And this is in quotations. So this is Jesus's definition of the gospel. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. So the gospel isn't just a message, it's a pronouncement that the time has come, it's an announcement. And this is what he says, this is what he announces. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the gospel. Mm. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. So the one thing that I don't remember hearing about the gospel at a young age was the kingdom. Yeah. That (laughs) somehow in the person of Jesus, he revealed this is what it looks like when God is in charge, when he's on the throne and he's reigning. And Jesus gave a taste of this is the kingdom now. Everywhere he went, people experienced the reign and the rule of God. Mm. And he, and he even sent his disciples out telling them, tell other people that the kingdom of God has come. And so we know on his resurrection, so his resurrection inaugurated, it's January 20th when we're recording this, by mm-hmm. the way, inauguration day. His resurrection inaugurated a new era in the, yeah. in, in the history of the world. So it, it canceled out, the old has gone and a new thing has come into place and he is now, the kingdom of God is here now already, but not yet fully here. Can I say that again? Yeah. It's here now already. This is massive for every apprentice of Jesus to grab a hold of. Here now. But not yet fully here. So it's okay. an already, but not yet reality. Okay. So think of it in terms of even an engagement. Okay, I'm engaged to my wife. I'm already committed to her. I'm not yet married. Hmm. So we're in this season where Jesus hasn't come and consummated the marriage. It's not, it hasn't happened yet fully, mm-hmm. but it is a reality, okay? So it's already here and we are given the Holy Spirit to now demonstrate, embody and proclaim this kingdom news. Hmm. But I also, like, I also like the way the apostle Paul describes it in 1 Corinthians 15. And he literally says like, let me remind you of the good news. This is it. It's most important, by the way. It's most important that we understand the good news, and it's that Christ died for our sins. And when I say Christ, I mean not Jesus's last name, I mean Messiah, I mean the King. He's referring to the kingdom of God when he says Christ. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said, he was buried, raised from the dead. And on the third day, just as the scriptures say, he was raised. He was seen by Peter and the 12 and 500 more. So the good news to Paul was that Jesus, the kingdom of God, Christ, that he is the Messiah, the promised Messiah, and the kingdom of God has come already, but not yet fully. Mm-hmm. And it's centered on his, his life, his death, his resurrection. So that is the good news. Dang, dude. It's a lot. That is a lot. But it's simple, too. If you can just imagine in your head, if somebody asked you on the street, what's the gospel, and you wanted to be biblical, you wanted to say, well, I want to base that on what Jesus says and what Paul says, you can just say, I know it has to do with the kingdom of God and that Jesus brought that in by his life, death, and resurrection. And I can participate in that now. Like, it is simple. It doesn't have to be complex. Yeah, no. A child should be able to grab a hold of you know, this reality. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's good, dude. Yeah, that's definitely not something that we, we sort of grasp 
as we've, at least for me, as I've heard, this is the gospel. In fact, um, you know, there's several questions I have in terms of how we apply that. But before we get to that and the application of it, what does that mean for us in our everyday ordinary lives? Is there a way that we could construct a framework? You know, we've been we've been messing around with some of the the sort of the phases of the gospel or the the movements in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you describe that? Just kind of giving a a full picture of, okay, so Jesus didn't just pop up on the scene, <laughs> Mark one, yeah. like there was a there's a narrative that he's entering into. Yeah. In fact, that he created. So take us through that narrative real quick. Yeah, so um, a friend of mine in Bloomington, Illinois, his name is Jerry McCorkle, has devoted his entire life to describing what's called the meta narrative or the overarching story of scripture. And it's, if you wanna look at it online, it's just spread truth. And he has four parts to the story. Mm. It's creation, fall, rescue, restoration. Mm. Jesus falls into all of those different categories, but the person of Jesus obviously comes in the rescue. Um, So for us, as we talk about understanding gospel clarity and wanting to have a firm grasp on what is the good news, I don't think we can have that apart from the biblical story. So to understand the gospel, we need to understand this creation narrative, the fall narrative, the promise uh, that a Messiah is going to come, you know, in Genesis chapter 12. And then hundreds of years later, he does come, you know, mm-hmm. in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And he establishes his church and he's the foundation of it. And then he sends them out to be a part of the restoration of all things. And one day he's going to come back and he's going to set everything straight. Um, so Adam and I, we talk about this all the time. Like, how do we break that into parts? How do we not let some really important things go without being said, because I, I think that when you just break it into four parts, you are missing some of the story. Mm-hmm. Like what's happening before all time, before God creates? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a question my six-year-old asked, like I, who created God? I'm like, My well. six-year-old as well. <laughs> and so and when you look at the biblical story, I, I think a part of the story is before creation, there was this communion of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that he's in eternity, he's in heaven, and before he creates, he doesn't create out of some desperate need for community. He has that community. Mm-hmm. And for us as, as not only Bible readers, but just human beings, if we know that we're made in the image of God and he's a communal God, three in one, then that speaks to who we are, right? So that story gives insight into who are we? We're communal beings. Mm-hmm. And as Americans, especially like in the most individualistic society of all time, to understand ourselves in terms of community, not just our own self, is a game changer to know that we're not meant to do life alone. So out of that communion, I think God creates, he initiates the story. And he's the one who is, by the way, throughout the rest of the story, is the initiator, he's the fixer. Everything that humans do is in response. What we may refer to as worship is a response to what he's already doing. So out of creation, obviously there's a rebellion, human beings rebel. God still pursues them through a family, through a redemptive family, through Abraham, and promises one day through this family, I'm gonna send my son Jesus. And that happens in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and there's this beautiful rescue story through the story of Jesus. And in his life, his perfect life, in his death, in his resurrection, he was the second Adam. Whereas there was a first Adam in Genesis, he's the second Adam, and he fulfills everything that the first Adam failed at fulfilling. And so he fulfills everything that God needs him to fulfill, including going to the cross and dying. And then he resurrects and the story continues 
with the church. And we are a part of that. That's where we're at in the story right now, in the history of the world. We're being formed by the Holy Spirit into the image of Christ as we reorient our lives and reorder our lives around that true story with new rhythms and a new community. Mm. And if we just keep going, we, we just have to trust and hope that God one day is gonna restore all things. And I think if we understand the biblical narrative in that way, number one, we understand it to be a restorative story, not a destructive story. So I, I kind of grew up thinking that gospel was one day this world's gonna be destroyed. You even have songs, which I think are completely heretical about, um, you know, that this whole world's gonna burn up. Hmm. And that's, the, there is fire in Revelation, but it also talks about that God's making all, all things new. He's hmm. renewing, renewing things. So he's not destroying and starting over. He's not making all new things. He's making all things new. And there's a difference there in Revelation. Okay. And so I think if we understand that, we get to the heart of our purpose in the gospel story to be a part of that restoration, starting with our own soul and then the people around us. Our everyday, ordinary lives can be placed before God and he can use that mm-hmm. uh, to be a part of that restoration. So yeah, gospel couched within the biblical story, which again, going back to what I said earlier, tells us that we're a missional people. Yeah. Like Jesus was sent to earth at the end of John 20, he says, I'm sending you. And now we're being sent. And we're actually, our jobs, Adam and I's job as pastors is to equip other people mm-hmm. to go and to share, not only share with their mouths, but embody this good news yeah. of the kingdom. Yeah, I think uh, as, you're, as you're talking about that, you know, there's several questions that are rolling through my mind. I'm, I'm just sort of putting myself in a place of... Um, you know, several seasons of my life where I felt like, man, do I have to be perfect? Like if the gospel is, is, is redeeming me, like, what does that mean when I, when I'm, Mm -hmm. I understand that it's, you know, I'm not quite yet still, I'm still being refined. I'm still being, you know, renewed, but what does that mean when, you know, stuff hits the fan <laughs> and life happens yeah. and I can't quite make sense. I understand it with my mind. I understand that. But like, I think so much of life is, you know, obviously very complex in the emotional state of who we are and how we're intertwined with relationships. So uh, speak into that a little bit, Matt, like just talking about how we go from this being a head knowledge thing to mm-hmm. a, man, I... You know, it's almost like the, the the guy comes up to Jesus like, I believe, but help me on my disbelief. Like yeah. <laughs> I I'm trying here. Yeah. Yeah. I well, first off, um, I think we've done people a disservice when we think that your salvation story is a one time thing. Hmm. Okay, so clearly in scripture, Jesus doesn't say, Hey, come forward and pray this prayer and then I'm gonna send you back home. His invitation is to discipleship. His invitation is come follow me. I'm gonna make you fishers of men, right? And I'm gonna teach, I'm gonna teach you how to do this. I'm gonna show you mm. how to do this. So our salvation story in terms of justification, we've been made right in God's eyes based on the work of Jesus. We are justified. There is a moment, a defining moment in our lives where we receive that. But just as important in our salvation story is the sanctification where we're made into the image of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit as we cooperate every day and surrender. So this is a journey. You and I have talked about a lot about this. Like some people do from a stage hear the good news and they're like, yeah, I wanna devote my life to that. 
a lot of people, they have to hear it a thousand times and they have to actually see it mm. lived out around them. And so that it, it does move from the, I've always said the best way to move something from the head to the heart is through the hands, mm. like is through motion. And so it's hard to, it's hard to get something from your head into your heart unless you're acting on some of those things. And I see that even if you look at the life of Peter, look at one of the core like groups of people that followed Jesus early on in the apostle Peter, his journey wasn't all of a sudden, I just am a fully committed follower of Jesus. His journey is one of stumbling. Mm. And the best leaders I know in the church are willing to admit that all of their struggles and temptations and the crap that they're dealing with is not all past tense. It's present. It's I'm, I'm still already fully saved. I am justified by Jesus. I have no shame, no guilt. He's covered that. But man, am I still a work in progress. And here's mm-hmm. how I screwed up yesterday. Not this ticks you and I off all the time. It's like people that are like, oh yeah, years ago when I used to, when I used to sin, right? <laughs> that that was a rough time. But now that accepted Jesus, and now I'm good. No, right. sanctification doesn't take you off your life path and put you on a different path. It just changes the way you walk on the path you're already on. Mm. That's salvation. I didn't make that up, by the way. That's Augustine. He, <laughs> that's Saint that's Augustine. Good. That was real good. <laughs> that's not me. Uh, so yeah, I just don't think that. Um, when we pretend, it's not helpful when we pretend. And so there are some things within my heart and with your heart that we've got to confront. And we're all different. We all face different temptations. Adam knows this about mm. me, but I have a gluttonous spirit. And people joke about it that I sometimes eat too much or, <laughs> or that I, I gorge on experiences. I love new experiences. One mm-hmm. of Adam's phrases towards me is, I know you want to climb that mountain. <laughs> We got to cross this bridge yes. first, buddy. Yeah, yeah. But I have to be honest about that in my temptation. That's not going to go away until I'm until I'm dead. I'm not done. Mm. So there's this sanctification process, and one day I don't want to leave this out. In salvation, there's a glorification. There is going to be a fully present kingdom in you and around you someday. Mm. Like you are justified, you are being sanctified, being made in the image of Christ by the power of the Spirit. You're being formed, but you have the hope that one day that struggle is going to end. That's, and, and that to me is what brings me to tears at funerals. It's when I know hmm. Holy Spirit-filled people that have passed away, I, I, I cry and I mourn the loss of that friend, but I also know that that friend is entering into a glorification state. Like they are present with the Lord and the struggle is over. And there's an inner longing within me that yeah. wants that. Yeah, dude. And so, whereas the American dream is accumulate all that you can, and the good news is consumerism, and last as long as you can. Let's let's prolong life. Into you know, if you're 100 years old and you die in a mansion, you have five cars, you win. Mm-hmm. That's the American gospel. But the good news of Jesus Christ is that the kingdom is actually one of servant. Like mm-hmm. it's a servant life. It's not accumulation. It's actually giving away. It's one of generosity. It's not one of being the leader of leaders. It's actually being the servant. Of yeah. all, and if we can grab a hold of that, we can live into that kingdom. Yeah. Now and so, man, gosh, there's so much that's this rolled through my mind, there's dude. Because you're right, you say this a lot too of of the kingdom, you know, sort of kingdom economics is one of abundance, not scarcity. Yeah. And you think about all the brilliant minds and all the most you know prolific you know speakers or 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 actors or or you know. Athletes, I mean, just businessmen and women, and and you know all these things that we have, like we have total access 
to the abundance of the kingdom, even more so than anybody else that is a Mm non-believer. Like we have the Holy Spirit that's empowered us. And just the reminder of the gospel, you you said it, like we have to, we have to gospel ourselves. ourselves. Like we have to, you know, we have to share the good news to ourselves on a daily basis. Cause there is a time in, in, in seasons where we go from, we, we have to go from unbelief to belief Yeah, in particular areas. And and we vacillate between thinking we have it all together Mm -hmm. and, you know, we're so deprived like we're we're just you know the scum of the earth like we, yeah. there's like no in between it's no. just like we're and and there's if we start to parse ourselves out you know mind body soul uh the physical the emotional the mental the spiritual we look at all these different components of who we are and where we find our lives you know circled around our, our spheres of influence our network of relationship where we live work learn and play we we start to dissect ourselves in that way we'll start to find out where where is the gospel permeate like where is it saturated where is it really taking over my life and where do i kind of keep it at yeah. sort of do the Heisman like keep it at arm's length yeah and, and i would i would challenge everybody listening that if you haven't sat down and preached the gospel to yourself lately that's something that a lot of my mentors over the years have told me they do. You know, mm. they'll journal. This is the good news. This is the gospel uh, of the kingdom of Christ that has Absolutely. come in me, the resurrection. Like there's been, I'm dead to sin. I'm alive in Christ. I no longer live, but he lives through me and in me. Like I have a future hope and a home that is a restored earth where heaven and earth come together. If you haven't preached the gospel to yourself in a while, I just want to encourage you do so and do so often. Yeah. Remind yourself, because we can't share, we're talking about sharing the gospel, mm-hmm. we can't share what we don't own. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we just become used car salesmen for the kingdom of God, trying Agreed. to peddle out some message that we don't actually believe ourselves. Yep. Yeah, no, I. that's exactly what I was just going to say. And I, and I think it's really key to do that in the areas of sin yes. in our lives. So writing down and reflecting. Again, it's not a shame thing. It's like, oh, I gotta, you know, I gotta really take care of this sin right now. I'm gonna mm. take care of this thing. I'm gonna <laughs> wrestle to the ground and, yeah. you know, be done with it. It's like, no, that's actually not gonna happen mm. that way. But I do think there's an, a way in which to really put down the lies that we tell ourselves. We we are our greatest salesmen. You know, if we if we if a salesperson were to say what we say to ourselves <laughs> when we try to buy something, we'd be appalled. Mm-hmm. But we do that every single day. We sell ourselves something every single day. We justify it, we make excuses. Yeah. Our wives, our husbands, you know, our friends, our close friends, if they could hear the inner workings of our mind yeah. when we say, I just gotta have this thing. Yeah, dude. You know, they would slap us around and say, No, that's not that's not you. That's yeah. not that's not who you are. Yeah. I, have you forgotten the gospel? I mean, essentially is what they would say. Have you forgotten the good news that actually is is redeeming, yeah. restoring that aspect of your life? Yeah. And I just, let's just play an imagination exercise for a second, because I know a lot of you listening, you have real lives. This is not theory, right? So with your parenting, for instance, are, are you the center of your parenting or is Christ the center of your parenting? Is his mm. kingdom the center or are you trying to bring your rule in your reign? Mm-hmm. on your kids? Is the gospel permeating that aspect of your life? With your marriage, are you and your wife the center of the marriage? Or have you displaced yourself and replaced you with Christ? And, th- and I just want to tell everybody here, this isn't a one-time thing. We are reordering 
our lives daily, mm-hmm. moment by moment around this good news. I like what Eugene Peterson says, discipleship and receiving the gospel is a long obedience in the same, in the same direction. direction That's right. A long obedience in the same direction. And this reformation is going to take a long time. Yeah, absolutely. So It's a battle. You know, that's the thing that we're battling, not just flesh and blood, but we're battling something greater than wow. that. And and there's there's a lot that we can talk about with that. We're going to pause there. Yes. And really talk about why, you know, how we do this. So you're kind of getting into this this place of, okay, so what does all this mean and how do we actually start to instill some of these habits yeah. that then create that desired outcome? Right. And so next week, what we're going to talk about is the tools that we'll use and really looking at more gospel fluency in our lives. Yeah. Looking what would you like to, to yeah. Is there anything that you like to just end with? No, today? I just, uh, I guess I just want to end on a note of thankfulness because I, I was modeled, and I know you were too. And there's so many men and women in our lives that have modeled for us the good mm. news. Mm-hmm. And it's not enough to proclaim it. And Jesus didn't just talk about it. No, he he embodied it, it. And his disciples embodied it. And none of this is possible without the power of the Holy Spirit. And so there's hope for every single one. There is gospel hope for every single one of us. And I'm looking forward to next week. Absolutely. See you then. All right. Peace. Peace. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Life and Rhythm Podcast. We are on mission to live freely and lightly with one another for the good of others. Peace.